thank you for tuning in. My name is Frankie Mazapika. If you've never heard me speak, it's my pleasure to encourage you today. The title of the message is Miracles at the Pool. This message comes from John chapter 5. Jesus was walking into Jerusalem. Now, right in the middle of Jerusalem, there's like a, a town square. And in that town square are these pools. It's called the Pools of Bethesda. Now, Jesus came walking into Jerusalem. He's walking around the pools, and there's sick people everywhere, all around the pools. Now, before I get too deep into this scene and what happened, I want to point out that nobody celebrated Jesus when he walked up to the pools. No, there were no big crowds around him. Nobody was shouting his name, uh, which was very odd. Because if you study the scriptures, every time he walked into Galilee or Samaria, there would be multitudes of people around him and they would be celebrating him, walking around him. They were in the throngs of people were around him and they were wondering what he was going to do next. They would bring sick people to him and people who weren't sick just wanted to watch to see somebody get healed. If you read Mark chapter three, you'll find out that in certain towns and cities, there were so many people around him. He didn't even have time to sit down and eat. One time he was walking into Jericho and the crowd that was following him was so loud. They were screaming and they were excited. There was a blind man sitting on the side of the road and he asked, what is that noise? And they said, well, Jesus is coming. And he started shouting out to Jesus to come over to him and heal him. But in this particular situation, he's walking into the, this, this pool area, this town center area, and nobody is saying anything to him. He's in their presence, but he's completely unnoticed. And this thought comes to my mind. It's in Revelations chapter 3 verse 20, where it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, which implies while he's knocking, he's shouting. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he will dine with me. Jesus doesn't walk around the pools of Bethesda anymore because he's able to walk right up to us right up to our hearts and tap. And every single time he, he crosses your mind, that's him showing up and reminding you that he loves you. I want to encourage you, if you don't hear anything else today, if the rest of the message does not apply to you, please hear me say this. The presence of God is around you just like oxygen. In Isaiah chapter 6, verse 3, it says that the whole earth is filled with his glory. So as you are walking, you are walking in his glory. And so take moments throughout the day to be conscious of his glory. Whisper to him, I'm thinking about you. If you're thinking about him, tell him you're thinking about him. Has a loved one ever texted you and said, I'm thinking about you? Doesn't that feel good? 
Just whisper to the Lord, I'm thinking about you. I love you, Jesus. Thank you for coming to my mind. Keep on coming to my mind. The more you acknowledge those thoughts, the more those thoughts will come to you. The more you engage in conversation, the more conversations you will have. Because the more you pray, the more you want to pray. The less you pray, the less you want to pray. And so he, he walks up into these, this pool area and he see these, these sick people everywhere. There's sick people everywhere. And it, it reminds me about the power of two. See, the sick people were hanging out with sick people. The two people that you hang out with most has the most influence on you. If you hang out with two people who always have a bad attitude, you will be the third. If you hang out with two people that are highly critical, you will be the third. If you hang out with two people that is not real excited about church, they can take it or leave it. They go to church once every 60, 90 days, you will be the third. But in like manner, if you hang out with three people who love God, who are passionate about God, you will be the third. If you hang out with three people that back up and say, now hold on a second here. In 1 Corinthians chapter, I think, uh, 14 verse 1, it says to pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. If you hang out with people who pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, you too will pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. You have to be very particular about the people that you hang out with. Uh, I grew up on the east side of Houston. I went to North Shore High School. And um, I remember I was preaching on the stage. It was back in the day when we had Wednesday night services. Uh, it was several years ago. And I looked to the back of the sanctuary and I saw somebody who knew me in high school. And I thought to myself, God, anyone you want to come to this church is welcome because it's your church. But if it's okay, will you not invite anyone who knew me in high school? I don't even want to talk about the way I was in high school because if God doesn't remember it, I shouldn't remember it either. Just know this. They were shocked and they came here to see if it was true. They were shocked. When I came up to them, I said, look, I know what you're thinking. I'm thinking the same thing. I'm thinking the same thing. In spite of the fact that I was living like a complete hoodlum, I knew I was living like a hoodlum. Does anyone here have those seasons where you're acting back crazy and you know it? Have you ever been arguing with a husband, wife, or your best friend, and you think to yourself, I've gone crazy, but it's too late now. <laughs> I, I remember my senior year sitting there knowing I was gone, I was back crazy, and I turned around, I looked at my very good friend, his name was Michael, I said, Michael, when we graduate, you'll never see me again. And he goes, you know, this was in the 90s. So we, come on, bro. Come on, bro. We got to be boys forever, man. Boys forever. I'm looking at him with curly hair, believe it or not. Curly hair and two loop of earrings. And I looked at him and I said, you'll never see me again. You'll never see me again. I knew, 
I had places I wanted to go. And if I hung out with the same people I've always ran with, I'll never get to where I want to go. Nine months later, I moved to Rockford, Illinois at 19 years old, went into Bible college, drew the line in the sand and said, I'm all in. This ship is either going to sink or it's going to sail. One thing's for sure. I'm not running with the people I used to run with anymore. Does that speak to anybody? It's the power of two. Well, these sick people, the only friends they had were people like them who talked like them and thought like them and complained like them. So Jesus walked up to this this particular guy who had been sick for 38 years. And he looked at him and he said, do you want to get well? Now, Jesus already knew the answer to the question. But he wanted to have a conversation with him. See, relationship isn't an important thing to God. It's everything. He can change what's happening to a person in a moment. But what's happening in a person oftentimes is a process. He says, I want you to talk to me. Talk to me. I know you don't feel like it, but talk to me. You know, sometimes when I pray, I wonder to myself, am I just talking to the wall here? You know, am I just talking to the wall? So what I'll do is I'll light candles. These are actually candles out of my office. I'll light candles. Now, I'm not Catholic, so I put no value in candles while I'm praying. None at all. The reason why I do it, it has no spiritual significance It has everything to do with these head games that I have sometimes. It's a strategic move to remind myself that my prayers are making a difference. See, Psalms 56.9 says, Every time you pray, the tide of the battle turns. Every time. But most of the time, it doesn't feel that way. So I'll light some candles. And I'll look at the candle and I'll light it and then I'll walk away. See, when a flame touches candle wax, it immediately begins to change. The the shape of the candle immediately begins to shift. And it continues to shift so long as that flame is burning. And so I'll turn around and I'll look at the candle and I'll say to myself, just as sure as that candle wax has shifted underneath that flame, My prayers has caused my life to shift underneath his presence. If that wax has changed, so has my life. If that wax has changed, so has my anointing. I am stronger now than I was five minutes ago. I'm stronger now. I can't see it. I can't smell it. I can't touch it. But I can't see the the wax change before my eyes. It happens so fast, I can't see it. But if the wax is changing in the last five minutes while I've been praying, then my life is changing in the last five minutes while I'm praying. God wants us to talk to him. And so he backs up and he looks at him and he says these words. He says, stand up and grab your mat. Now, first of all, there's A lot of excitement that's taking place, okay? The man is jumping up. He's happy. He's pumped. He's excited. The disciples are excited. Everybody's happy. But but let's just pause for a second. There were two commands in the one sentence. He said, stand up and grab your mat. 
Grabbing the mat was of equal importance to Jesus. So you back up and say, why? Why did he tell him to grab his mat? Was he just being kind? Hey, I don't want you to forget your mat. I don't think so. I don't think so. See, that mat was his testimony. When he walked around with that mat, people would look at him and say, Hey, especially the Jewish leaders of the day. Because that moment happened during the Sabbath. And on the Sabbath, you weren't allowed to carry things. And so they said, Hey, you're not allowed to do that. His testimony is out loud for everybody to see. It was his opportunity to say, God's not who you think he is. You think that if I pick up this mat, God's going to crush me into smithereens. No, that's not the kind of God he is. See, in Psalms chapter 130, verse 7, it says, keep hoping, keep trusting, keep waiting. For our God is trustworthy, kind, and forgiving, and he has a thousand ways to set you free. If, if, here's the second major point of the message. Memorize that Psalms 130 verse 7. It's in the Passion Translation. And every single time you feel like your, your life is over, everything's coming to an end, or what you're hoping for is never going to happen, you just lay on your pillow and quote that verse and just say, you know what? He's trustworthy. He's kind. And he's forgiven. He's, he's trustworthy. He's kind. And he's, I can trust him. I can trust him. I can trust him. He's kind. He's kind. And he's forgiven. He has a thousand ways to answer my prayers. He has a thousand ways to bless me. He's got a thousand ways. That mat was his testimony. Everyone who saw the mat, he had an opportunity to share his testimony. This is what Jesus did for me. Let's never forget. Our testimony is a weapon. It's a weapon. It's what we use. Let me, let me see if I can, I can illustrate this with a visual example. Every time God does something for you, you receive a weapon. You are walking around with a testimony. It's a weapon. Let me illustrate. When you walk up to somebody and you invite them to church, what's the best way to do it? Should you invite them and then quote your 17 favorite scriptures? Or do you walk up to them and begin to tell them your story? See, your story, hey, you should come to church with me because dot, 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 your story pierces between the bone and the marrow because it is saturated with the presence of God. Your story, your testimony. This isn't me trying to be eloquent. This is just me Telling you what the scriptures say. Revelations 19.10, it says the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So when you testify of what Jesus did for you, you are telling them what Jesus wants to do for them. 
So when you say to somebody, I went through a divorce and I felt like I was losing everything. I don't know how God did it, but he put my life back together again. That is a weapon. And what Satan is so good at doing is coming up with righteous reasons to get you to lay down your testimony. He'll say things like, you know what? You're just bragging. You're just telling God. You're just telling people what's good in your life so you can brag. Sometimes he'll come at a different angle and say, don't tell people your testimony. Because if you have a relapse, you're going to look bad and you're going to make God look bad. Somebody who uh, was a, uh, had a, has a strong addiction uh, and it was destroying their life. If all of a sudden God pulls them out of that addiction and it's a testimony, they don't want to share it just in case they fall back into the addiction. See, these are all the ways that the Lord tries to get you not to share your testimony. Over the last two years, every single Sunday... People get healed at Celebration Church every single Sunday. Everybody doesn't get healed. But every Sunday, people get physically healed. And here's the thing. When you get healed, it is your testimony to tell people about it. We've had deaf ears open. We've had blind eyes open. People's cancer has dissolved right within their body. Do you know how happy the enemy would be if you never told anyone? It's your testimony. Hey, you're healed. Stand up and walk. Grab your mat. Stand up and walk and go tell your testimony. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying because your testimony is that powerful. Now, here's something. This is a a little bit of a plot twist. All of a sudden, somehow or another, the, the guy that was healed went one direction, and Jesus went another direction, and Jesus walked off, and all of a sudden, he said, well, I got one more thing to tell him. And so the Bible says that when Jesus found him, in order to find someone You have to be looking for them. And so Jesus walked off and he said, I got one more thing to tell him. And so he starts looking for him. And then he finds him and he goes, hey. And the guy's probably, hey, everybody, look at this. Look at this. Look at this. I can do it all. I can do it all. I can do it all. Hey, 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 hey. I got one. I got one question for you. I have one statement for you. There's one more thing I want you to know. Stop sinning or something worse will happen to you. Now, there's a a whole bunch of ways that we could read into that. A whole bunch of ways. And a a lot of them uh, you can kind of apply to your life. And then there's other ways where it doesn't apply to your life. There's a lot of ways you can take that. But if you just take it for face value, the way I believe the Lord wants us to take it, it's just simply stop sinning. It's, it's, he's saying righteousness matters. Holiness matters. 
Now, so the enemy doesn't condemn anybody here. There's a huge difference, a massive difference between making a mistake and a flagrant sin. Uh, There's a a huge mistake between having a weakness in your life that you're praying will leave and get away so you can be strong in the area that you're weak and flagrantly planning to sin. I don't know what this guy was doing, but there was something in his life where flagrant sin was a part of it. And the Lord's saying, if you'll give me some some liberty here. I just healed you. You have a testimony. You have an assignment. You and I are in partnership. You can read all about the partnership that you have with God in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. We're partners now. Everything has changed. We're partners now. So stop sinning. You know, um, the, the presidential debates happened recently and I was having a conversation with somebody and, and, and the guy that I do not plan on voting for, I started slamming in the conversation that I was having with my friends. I was just saying some stuff that were just at the top of my head. I don't even know if they're true or not. I was just ripping them, just ripping them and insulting them. All of a sudden, not out loud, just right down in here, I just felt the Lord say, Stop it. Stop it. Other people can. You can't. Other people may. You can't. See, if you read the scriptures, you'll see that when a priest, and all of you are priests in the eyes of God, but when a priest would worship God, there was an outer court. And then there was an inner core of the temple. And then there was the Holy of Holies. And, and when you pray, the first few minutes, you're in the outer court. You're trying to get your brain going in that direction and stop thinking about the groceries that you got to get. It takes a while. And then you get to this inner court place where you start feeling like, you know, now you're praying. Now you have a little bit more momentum. And then you know you're in the inner court. Because you don't want to stop. You don't want to stop praying. You don't want to stop. And you're not paying attention to the time anymore. You know you're there. Oftentimes you get emotional because you're in the presence of God. And if you read about the inner court, you have to go behind the curtain to be in this inner court. You and I cannot go into the inner court, the holies of holies, because it's the outer court, inner court, and holies of holies. You cannot go behind the curtain in the holies of holies and have praises come out of your mouth and worship him. And he begins to put his words in your mouth and you begin to pray the words that he's putting in your spirit. And you begin to have a conversation with the holies of holies and your mouth literally becomes an instrument for God. It's in Romans chapter 6 verse 13. It, your mouth turns into an instrument. You cannot have that kind of experience And then step out from behind the curtain and start ripping into people that you don't even know. 
You cannot step out from behind that curtain and use the same instrument that you use to worship him to tear other people down. In Romans chapter 6, verse 13, it says, Do not let any part of your body be an instrument to serve evil. Give yourself completely to God and allow your body, every part of your body, to be an instrument to do what is good. So when you step out from behind that curtain, your mouth, your eyes, your countenance, your hands, your disposition, the look on your face, everything, it's all an instrument for you to use. When I walk out of this prayer room, God, just use me. And then you sit down and say, that person is a jerk. This person is an idiot. Did you see the way she was dressed? Oh, I know you didn't. No, I'm saying, no, I know you didn't. You were just behind the whole of Are you with me? Say yes. Come on, put your hands together for that. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20, it says this. In a great house, there are not only vessels made of gold and silver, but of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. So cleanse yourself of the latter so that you may be a vessel of honor, sanctified and prepared, ready, ready, ready for every good work the master has planned. God has called you to be a vessel of honor with all your mind, with all your heart, with all your soul. Dedicate all of you to him. Are you with me? Do you receive that today? Come on. You receive that. Last Sunday, something very fascinating happened. Um, so of all the miracles we've seen, the, the most consistent miracle that we've seen is deaf ears open. And so uh, I, I saw a particular person that um, wanted her deaf ear to open, so I brought her on the stage. Before I prayed for her, I was so sure that you guys were going to see a miracle right before your eyes, which has happened here many times where people have gotten healed on the stage before anyone prayed for them. And so I just naturally assumed it was going to happen again, and then it didn't. And so I called up this mentor in my life. His name is Dr. Randy Clark. And I said, hey, I know you got a conference going on in Washington. I want to come spend some time with you. I fly to Washington. This was on Wednesday morning. And I'm going to sit down with him and say, what happened? <laughs> See, I want you guys to, to, to understand this. Though miracles and healings are happening here all the time, I am very much in the learning stage. I do not have this down. I am learning right in front of you. Okay? I'm learning right in front of you. And so uh, whenever, whenever I take a misstep, you all see it. And, and I got to back up and say, okay, what, what just happened? So 
uh, I'm, I'm going to, to Washington and I want to have a conversation with him. And, and, it, you know, this conference is a big conference. And, and so I'm, I'm in this, this green room area and I go back there to talk to him. He sees me. I see him and he, he grabs the people that he's talking with and he starts walking them over to me. And he walks them over to me and he says, Frankie, this guy has lost half of his hearing in both ears. So he looks at the guy and goes, Frankie has an anointing to heal deaf people. And then he walks off. And I'm standing there and I'm like, this is not the week. I'm discouraged right now. I flew all the way to Washington, D.C. to talk to you about, I've seen hundreds of people get healed in the last couple months. What did, what did I do wrong? I'm open to some, I, I took a misstep somewhere, somewhere I took a misstep. And so he walks off. And I'm like, oh man, you, I'm thinking to myself, you got the wrong guy praying for you. Tiago was there. And so I said, all right, let me pray for you. It was the shortest prayer ever, 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 ever. I said, in the name of Jesus, open in Jesus' name, inner ear, outer ear, middle ear, open in Jesus' name. He goes. And so he goes, I'm healed. And I said, really? (laughs) Promise. Really? He goes, I'm healed, I'm healed. He goes, God is good. And he starts talking about some other things. And so I went back. I said, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's go back. I said, are you really healed? I said, 100%. He goes, yes, praise the Lord. I was like, praise the Lord. (laughs) So he walks off and I'm like, I looked at Tiago and I was like, really? So I sit down with Dr. Randy finally. And I said, okay, look, look, I'm not, I'm I'm learning, but I'm not so new. Uh, Like I know that not everybody I pray for is going to get healed. I know that. I know that. I know that. But this mo, this one was fascinating to me. I need some answers. And so he goes, let me tell you a story. I said, please do. And so he goes, when, when I was about your age, I used to follow a guy around named John Wimber. I said, okay. And he goes, wherever he went, I went. And uh, one night I was following him around and he, he, every single person he prayed for was healed. He goes, it was amazing. He goes, after the service, we got together and we just celebrated together. It was just a great night. He goes, the very next night I followed him around again and no one he prayed for got healed. Not one person. So we got together after the service and we sat down and he goes, John, Dr. Randy said, John, I got a question to ask. And and John said back, I know what it is. You want to know why everybody got healed last night and nobody got healed tonight. And Dr. Randy said, exactly. Why? He goes, well, there's a very good answer for it. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. He goes, Randy, he calls him Randy. He goes, all I can do is take my big fat hand and put it out there and pray. That's all I can do. And if God decides to heal him, then we celebrate. And if he doesn't, then we just back up and say, okay. And in my words, I'll say it this way. If God heals him, then it's because of God. If God doesn't heal them, 
we leave it with God. One thing is for sure, and I want everybody here to hear me say this. If you need a healing in your body and you do not get healed, it is not your fault. And I have some biblical proof for that. How much faith did Lazarus have? For those of you that don't know the story of Lazarus, Lazarus was dead. So you can't have a lot of faith when you're dead. Now, can God do more with more faith? Absolutely. But he doesn't penalize you for a lack of faith. Are you with me? Say yes. So we are going to continue every single Sunday to go for healing. Every single Sunday we're going to continue to go for healing because I'm only 42. I'm not very old, but I've been preaching since I was 19 and I am bored with me. I've, I've been preaching 42 minus 19, carry the one. I've been preaching for a minute. I want to see what God can do. And if we don't give him an opportunity to do anything, he won't do anything. And so, please be patient with me. I'm not the Apostle Paul. I have no white suits. (laughs) I'm not experienced. I feel a little convicted for saying that. I shouldn't have said that. I really do. I'm sorry for saying that. Um, We'll cut that part out, won't we, Tiago? (laughs) I'm learning learning. We're going to learn together. My motivation is to complete my assignment. And my assignment is not to build a big ministry. My assignment is to build the kingdom. And the only way I can build the kingdom is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And if you are not getting equipped with spiritual gifts, with understanding, and weapons that you've never had before. All you're doing is coming in here, worshiping, hearing a great message, and walking out no more effective than you were the previous week. I've got to give you gifts and talents and equip you. It's first, no, not first Ephesians. There's only one Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 15. And what I want you to see is that faith is spelt R-I-S-K. Are you with me? Are you guys ready to celebrate something? Come on, put your hands together for that. Come on, let's celebrate. Come on up here, Taylor. Every single Sunday, we share a testimony of somebody that was healed the previous week. And um, I, I used to be scared. I used to be like, man, what happens if we run out of testimonies? What's going to happen? And I just felt the Holy Spirit tell me, you'll never run out of testimonies as long as you keep praying for the sick. If we stop praying for healing, we're going to run out of testimonies. If we keep praying for healing, we're always going to have a testimony. So uh, share what Jesus did. Go ahead. So last September, I had a partial hysterectomy. I was having a lot of issues and... Um, The doctor told me that it would be about two weeks 
um, of the bulk of my recovery that I would really feel like myself in about two weeks. He said, don't lift anything, don't drive, just really take it easy. So I was recovering really well, and then my husband had to leave to go overseas, and that was right right short of the two-week mark. So I tried really hard not to pick up our kiddos and, you know, still follow doctor's orders, but it was impossible. So I, picking up my son, putting him in the car seat, I basically just set myself all the way back to day one of recovery, and I was in a lot of pain. I was having a lot of pain on my right side, um, I was kind of walking, like bent over, and it was just miserable. So I came to church one Sunday, and... Um, Frankie gave the message and then called the prayer partners up, and I stood right over here, and I was just kind of listening and waiting to pray for somebody, and then he gave a word of knowledge while we were standing up here. He said, I have a word of knowledge. I think I need to pray for somebody who's having pain in their right side, and I immediately was like, oh, man, that's me, and then he said, well, maybe a kidney. I'm not sure, and I was like, okay, no, I'm not going to go. But I knew, I felt the Holy Spirit immediately, like, now is your time. And I didn't want to move from where I was to pray for somebody else and have to turn around and say, hey, it's me. You know, I need prayer for that. But I did. And so I faced Pastor Bangie. I said, it's me. So he came down, and um, I kind of told him what was going on. He prayed for me. And I was having the pain right that moment, so I put my hand there, and he's praying for me. And before he finished the prayer, just one time, he's praying, I felt this, like, icy sensation go all the way through my body. And before he even said amen, in the name of Jesus, um, I was healed completely, and the pain was gone. And I was stretching and celebrating and testing it, and completely gone. That's so good. It's so good. It's so good. And it's so good. You know, all of you, if you've been coming to church here, you've seen me pray for people that didn't get healed. In that moment, you saw what I can do. But this testimony shows you what God can do. So I'd like for everyone here to stand to your feet for me, please. And... If you feel comfortable with it, I know that many of you, uh, you're new to celebration, you're new to the church world, and so I don't want this to be weird to you, but I would like for you to close your eyes, and in Second Chronicles chapter 9, verse 16, it talks about looking towards the Lord. So just close your eyes, put your chin up, and just to the best of your ability, try to visualize His face, and put your hands out with your palms up like you're just holding something. I just want to give space for the Holy Spirit to move. In full transparency, it's very scary for me to give space for the Holy Spirit to move because if he touches somebody and they get emotional, it gets awkward in here. If he touches somebody and someone starts to cry, it gets awkward in here. And so in full transparency as a pastor, I try to hedge the service so that nobody ever gets awkward. And then in doing so, I push God into a very narrow lane. And if this church is not for you, 
don't throw church out the window altogether. There's 81 churches in the woodlands. 71 of them are Christian churches. There's 71 options out there. Just find where you feel comfortable. But I want to give the Holy Spirit an opportunity to just move for a second. And I, I may just wait a minute or two minutes. But what, what I want to do before I encourage him to move in this place is I want you to think of what you want him to do for you. Maybe you need a healing in your body. Maybe you need your marriage to be healed. And if you need your marriage to be healed, you know it's going to require a miracle because you've already tried everything. Maybe it's a new job. Maybe you just want to be closer to his presence. I don't know. But I do know that when the Holy Spirit begins to move, he fixes everything. So I want to give him that opportunity. So would you just, with your chin up, but your eyes closed, to the best of your ability, just visualizing the Jesus' face. Invite the Holy Spirit to move because I already know He's here. And let me just wait a moment. Let me say this one more thing. I very rarely, rarely do this in our home church. I only do this whenever I travel out, but I feel like He wants to do it right now. So put your hands down and look at me. I never do this in our own church because it's not how you build a church. And as an evangelist, you don't care about building a church. Let them figure it out. But I believe that the Lord wants to do something special right now. I'm going to ask for the Holy Spirit to move. And he, and if he doesn't, then it's on me. I missed God. But if he's going to do what I think he's going to do, he's going to move through this place and he's going to touch a few of you. You will know if he touched you. You will know because of a physical reaction that you're going to have. You'll One of these things will happen to you. You'll start crying. Maybe you don't cry all the way, but you'll feel this knot. You'll feel yourself getting emotional in here, but tears aren't coming down, but you'll feel this knot. You may feel heat. You may feel a chill. You may feel this tingling sensation. You say, Frankie, why are you doing this? because some of you I'm never going to see again. And I want you to feel the Holy Spirit as you continue the journey of the rest of your life. If you feel any one of those sensations, I don't want you to say, God, if that's you, do it again. I want you to say, 
even if it's just for a split second, if you feel one of those sensations, I want you to step out of your seat. Don't look around. Step out of your seat and come down to the altar and just hold your hands up and begin to talk to them. If you don't feel one of those sensations, that doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. It just means that this moment, I see someone coming down right now. The Lord won't wait for me. He'll start moving right now. If you don't feel one of those sensations, that doesn't mean God doesn't love you. It just means that this moment was for them. This afternoon might be for you. Get as close as you can to the stage because God's moving and I haven't even started praying yet. So we might need a lot of room. Would you close your eyes, everyone in the room? Get as close as you can to the stage, please. Close your eyes. You didn't come here to hear a preacher. You came here because you want to experience his presence. Let's see what he'll do. Holy Spirit, move in this room. Move in this room right now. whisper to the Lord, oh, I want to be next. Just whisper to him and say, I want to be next. Just whisper to him and say, I want to be next. You're in a safe place. You're in a safe place. You can respond. just move through the room. Would you just move through the room in the name of Jesus? Just move through the room. Some of you, you know how to pray. You know what it feels like. You know how to pray. You've done it many times in your life, but you haven't done it in a while. You haven't done it in a while. Job 4, 15, it says, The Spirit of the Lord grazed past my face, and I felt the hair on my body stand up on end. If you feel a chill along the side of your face, on your arms, it's the Spirit of the Lord just, just touching you. Some of you have been walking with Him so long, and you've been fighting battles with Him for so long. Right now, He just wants to just be side of your face. Just step out of your seat and respond. Holy Spirit, move. Holy Spirit, move. If you feel a cool breeze, just kind of touch you. It'll be soft. It's not going to be hard. It's going to be very soft. 
Holy Spirit, move in this place. Jesus. Jesus, we love you. side of your body right here, right here, left side of your body on the left side of your, your backbone, feeling a pain, is that anyone in this room, if, it, if I missed it, I missed it, I don't mind, is it you, yeah, just come down here, I, I won't even need to pray for you, the presence of God is here, just move. right wrist, your right wrist. It's like doing this hurts. Is that anyone in this room? If no one raises their hands, that means it was just me and I thought it was God, but it's not. Is it, who is it? Is it you? It's your left wrist or is it your right wrist? I felt like it was, it's both. All right, I'm going to take It's just like you. I'm not going to have to pray for you. Just move your wrist. I'm not, the presence of God is here so big. He's not going to need me. I want you to nod at me as soon as the pain goes away, okay? Are you nodding at me or not yet? sensitive thing and so I'm going to force myself to get very very specific because what I'm about to say is so sensitive that if I miss God it will affect your your life negatively and I, I can't miss God on this one so I'm going to get as specific as I possibly can and and if I miss God then that's that's okay I got a mess swinging. Is there someone here that you have lost a baby in pregnancy a few times, but you're pregnant right now and you're scared you're going to lose the baby? And and to force, don't put your hand up. I got This has to be from God. I can't play around with people's life. And your name starts with a K. Is that anyone in this room? 
myself to get really specific on that because you can play with people's emotions and start promising things that God never said and I can't ever do that. I'd rather just miss. Is that anyone in this room? If it's you, raise your hand because I need to pray for you. Then I must have missed it. Is your hand up? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, if we, we hope we don't burn. I believe everything's going to be fine. But we want to be with you on every step of the way. And if anything bad happens, we want to be there with you to love you and walk you through it. But if today is the day, Let's worship him for two or three minutes and then you can be dismissed. I love you all so much.